The unofficial end to summer is here. School has started for most, football season is upon us, and soon the leaves will be changing color. At the DSR Network, we remain as busy as ever with a full slate of podcasts scheduled for the fall. In the coming weeks, we'll be launching two new shows with new hosts, creating even more content for our members. Members receive an ad-free listening experience, an evening newsletter, an invitation to join the DSR Slack community, bonus content, and more. Best of all, if you become a member in the month of September, you'll receive 20% off the normal membership price. Visit thedsrnetwork.com slash buy and enter code SCHOOL at checkout. That's thedsrnetwork.com slash buy and code SCHOOL. Thank you for your support. This is Words Matter with Norm Ornstein. We've got the votes and screw the rest of you. And Dr. Kavita Patel. These might be some of the smaller moments, you know, with all the bombshells. Didn't catch people's eyes. Hello and welcome to Words Matter from the DSR Network. Each week, Norm Ornstein and I will talk about the issues facing our country as we head into another election cycle. And we're going to try to discuss what our leaders are saying and doing about these issues. Actually, today, Norm, I think we're going to take a departure because um, as as listeners will, will learn, a lot of my life gets dictated by the emergencies around me, one of which was my son getting bit by a bee, resulting in a, an, an urgent care visit that put me delayed to get to my good colleagues, uh, Riley and Norm, here for the pod. So we're going to do kind of a combo abbreviated version, which is my fault, but we're going to make it up to you in future versions by having some really exciting co-hosts that will make it up to you in spades. But Norm, instead of what we normally talk about, which is uh, is squarely in the kind of, I'll say, jurisdiction of this is exactly like the chaos that Donald Trump is unleashing, and here's what's happened, and here's Fonnie Willis and what's happening there. We wanted to spend some time on a couple of topics that I think are very relevant to our Words Matter listeners, and that is the topic of how we're writing about Joe Biden and Kamala Harris and the re-election, particularly sparked, I think, by not just one, but several articles, David Ignatius in the Washington Post being a recent one, as well as several others that have actually said, quote, Joe Biden should not run again. Um, And I think also on the heels of Mitt Romney announcing that it's time for a new generation, citing his own age during the reelect of uh, a term as senator from from senator from Utah. Uh, I was about to say Massachusetts, which would make people cringe. Um, as an ex Kennedy staffer, um, always a Kennedy staffer, it would make people cringe. Um, but on in the heels of this, so we we thought that for this words matter, and just to kind of do a nice power combo, we would talk about what's been written. I will say just um, I briefly had the chance to talk because David Ignatius was on MSNBC a couple of days ago talking about his article. And I actually had a chance to be kind of in the back room because I was about to talk about COVID after David came on. So I was talking with the producers and some of the folks kind of in in our ears while he was speaking. And it was interesting, Norm, because these are MSNBC. It's a pretty Biden friendly crowd. And I will say that several of the um, kind of inner circle there said, wow, we're really glad he wrote this, but this is probably the worst time for this to come out. And I'm just curious, kind of 
not just David's article, but some of the other um, things that have been coming through in the media lately, uh, especially about Kamala Harris, which I also think is quite unfair. Tell me how you read some of these headlines and what you want our listeners to know. Uh, I find this uh, theme uh, cringeworthy, uh, Kavita, um, in part because in, with Dave, you know, I, I've known David Ignatius for decades. Um, I really have relied on him when it comes to analysis of foreign policy, the intelligence community. No one is more wired in than he is. He's written some great novels as well. But getting into the space of American politics um, is uh, outside his wheelhouse, shall we say. But it also is a broader reflection of what's become uh, partly a conventional wisdom among many inside the Beltway uh, people. Uh, David Vandrelli of the Post is the latest. Yeah. Um, and it is... Uh, well, it's time for Biden to step aside. He's too old and Harris isn't up to the job. Let's have a uh, a, a new process. Uh, and it's not as if you could wave a magic wand uh, or go to um, men in black and have a device that would have everybody forget what had happened and then handpick what you would view as your ideal team uh, for Democrats to run which might be a Gretchen Whitmer and Cory Booker uh, combo or something else. Uh, what I see and what I saw with David especially is there is no understanding or willingness to look at what flows from your desire to have Biden step aside. Mm-hmm. Um, and as he put it, also having Harris step aside. Uh, no look at history. And, you know, the way I put it is it would be so great for Democrats if they had a divisive multi-candidate and vicious primary process with a bunch of other candidates going after the woman of color who is the heir apparent and end up with blood all over the floor with a demoralized base at a time when that's the last thing you need. And, you know, the first thing I thought of when I read David Ignatius's piece was, uh, what about 1980, when you had this vigorous challenge to the incumbent president uh, by Ted Kennedy? Uh, and the same with Von Drehle, who's basically, boy, this would be so healthy for the party. Didn't work out so well. Mm-hmm. When you have an incumbent party and an incumbent president running, And obviously, it would be nice if he were not 82, and it would be nice if Americans were more uh, understanding of what incredible things the Biden presidency has managed to accomplish. But the idea that having a uh, free-for-all would be good is just plain nonsense. And I will say the Post is, the Washington Post is now jumping on this bandwagon in other ways they you know they they don't have a regular cartoonist now on their editorial page they pick uh, others uh either yesterday or today the editorial cartoon was from somebody who had first a panel with franklin roosevelt saying you have nothing to fear but fear itself and then john f kennedy and then it was 
Biden at the podium saying Vietnam, saying, I'm going to go to bed. I don't care about the rest of you. As if whether you're 82 or 32, if you've traveled overseas, uh, I've, you know, I had a number of years where I was going regularly to Brussels uh, for a board meeting and I'd have to arrive at seven in the morning and then do a board meeting and staying awake when you have jet lag whatever your age is, is difficult to do. He had a whirlwind five-day tour where he did any number of things. And the idea that it is a reflection of his age that he was saying at a press conference after all of this travel and the disruptions, I'm going to go to bed, is something terrible. It's just, uh, it's outrageous, frankly. So Norm, offer though, I, I, I agree. And and so that I can push because I think it was what, two months ago when we were talking about Diane Feinstein, right? And we you've written and I think it's worth just revisiting and you telling listeners because I I would like to push on you and play devil's advocate and say, what makes this different? I think I can answer this, but I would like to say that it does get a little bit kind of troubling when we say, wait a minute, it sounds like Joe Biden has had some stumbles and Joe Biden has made some gaffes and he's, you know, had some issues with some recall and, and and some of the things that we have pointed out for other legislators, such as Dianne Feinstein. I do think these are two very different scenarios. I would even offer you and I have talked also about John Fetterman and how that there's a gaslighting for people who are um, kind of going through it. I mean, the man was not just recovering from a stroke, but I think there was also some circumstances where it felt like some of his um, his own team was were hiding details. So I think we've touched on themes of transparency in several of these instances. But talk me through or listeners through what makes this different and thinking about a Feinstein or, for your example, appropriately, a Kennedy or um, um, or at this point, you know, what what's happening to Biden. And then I do want to kind of, I'll come back and underscore the Harris part in a minute, because I want to tell you how um, I kind of think this is playing out on a narrative and what I worry about, just given what I know about the circumstances that led to her being chosen as the vice presidential candidate in the first place. But you, talk, if you will, why you distinguish this from what you've written about with Feinstein and her obligation mm-hmm. to step down. Uh, well, I, I do think there's a real distinction here, um, sure. certainly at the moment. Dianne Feinstein has been losing it for several years. Mm-hmm. And I talked to many of her colleagues, not just now, but three or four years ago, where uh, she would repeat things that she had just said uh, a couple of minutes before, where she didn't recognize some of her mm-hmm. colleagues. Uh, it's been up and down, but it's pretty clear now that she is uh, not capable of making decisions on her own. and. That to me is different from uh, from Biden. I'm just now reading Frank Foer's new book on the b- first two years of the Biden presidency called The Last Politician. And oh, okay. it reflects what I believe to be the case and what I think many others who are closer to uh, Biden spend a lot more time with him, that mm-hmm. he has, uh, if he has lost a step, it's uh, a very small step. Most often, he is not only with it, but actually really running and making decisions in his administration. Now, mm-hmm. are there concerns we ought to have with somebody who is 82? Yes, um, but 
The idea that this is comparable, I think, is wrong. Is it a risk when you have somebody who would be E6 at the end of a second term? Sure it is. But I think there are two elements to this that we ought to focus on, Kavita. One is the culture of the press corps. And I've seen Jay Rosen of NYU and others have made this observation, and I think it's accurate. In the desire to be balanced, they want to find something about Biden that they can criticize Mm -hmm. that uh, shows that they're being even handed. And what they've chosen is his age. And, you know, Frank's book, Frank Forrest's book, is mostly about a masterful presidency that has accomplished an enormous number of things and then has a tiny bit on age. And almost every discussion of his new book is about the age factor. Right. And, and I think that is, and you know, what we know about the press corps is there's no feedback capacity. There's no willingness to think through what they're doing and uh, whether it's right or uh, wrong or accurate or not. So that's one part of it. The second part of it is Harris. And whether you think Harris did a good job in the first couple of years of Biden's presidency as vice president, and we've talked about this before, I thought she blew opportunities to take the Mm -hmm. issues that she was given that were tough issues, the border and democracy, and actually use them to her advantage. Mm -hmm. But so much of the criticism of Harris is a combination of misogyny and racism. And it's, you know, I've seen all of these people who in the past have said, it's not about all women, it's Hillary Clinton. And then it's not about all women, it's Elizabeth Warren. It's (laughs) not about all women, it's... uh, Any woman. (laughs) It's about all women. Right, exactly. That's a reality here that is there among many Democrats who are not uh, exactly self-aware in what they're doing. Uh, And of course, what we see with Nikki Haley constantly saying, this is not about electing Joe Biden again, re-electing Joe Biden, it's about electing Kamala Harris. That's flat out racist. I know. I was just going to say, it doesn't help that you have the other woman that is like a leading contender on the Republican side that is gaslighting the woman. I mean, it's just amazing yeah. to me how how it's uh, the fear-mongering gaslighting. Good. I'm glad you, I just wanted to draw this distinction because we've spoken about Feinstein. We've spoken about, I mean, we, we can speak about a number of, of examples in the Senate and House and, and just pe- even honestly, previous presidents. But I agree, this is a does feel, I, I will say this as somebody who has not spoken to David Ignatius personally, but feels like you that I've really enjoyed reading him. I can't help but feel that this is what, um, kind of, I'll call it media elite. It's almost, it felt a little norm. Like they're like, look, we see the guy is down while well, we'll kick, let's kick some more because you saw the, uh, Frank Rich, who you've seen now a series of articles of like, Joe Biden should be having a better, you know, election year or election cycle. And he's just not. And we don't know why. And, you know, people have brought up a lot of reasons, including Bidenomics hasn't totally caught up, et cetera. And can't help but think that this is another example of let's just go find a story so that we can get a lot of clicks. It does feel like that. So I'm anyway, just kind of making um, 
just trying to make that point a little bit more. So, yeah. Um, you know, one of the interesting things, Kavit, about uh, David mm-hmm. Vandrili's column is uh, his, his one of the one of his focal points is at cocktail parties and dinners. People, I get all of these people saying, "Well, you know, Biden will be fine. It's not age. And don't worry about it." The reality is that these columns are coming from people who are going to cocktail parties and right. dinners where everybody is worried about Biden's age. I'm sure that you have had the same experience that I've had. I have people all the time say to me, well, you know, is there a chance that they'll get somebody else? Aren't you worried about his age? That's a theme that Democrats who are perpetually worried about where they are. And I remember even back uh, before the Obama reelection campaign, you know, a year before uh, yep. he was running, there was all this fretting that he was not doing well and his polls were not great. It's what Democrats do. But it's just kind of ironic that the idea that um, you're reflecting on or ridiculing the cocktail party conversation that says Biden will be OK by using your cocktail party conversation that says, "Uh oh, we need a change um, is uh not really the way we ought to be going. So let's bring this. I know we did an abbreviated pod. Let me just kind of highlight and have you close. I'm going to highlight a couple of things that I would just say that we should be seeing from the Biden campaign shop, White House, et cetera. Number one, I think they're trying to do this. They're getting him out there and he's speaking and he's talking and he's been touring and trying to like just talk about the positives of his administration. He should continue to do that. He should not deviate from that. But two, we have asked for, we still have not seen it, Norm, we have said that we do need to have some kind of honest conversation about his age, other than the kind of demurring that's occurring at the at the podium. And it doesn't have to be by the president. It really should be by like a fully kind of coordinated surrogate, as well as the president who himself has kind of said in joking, you know, my age, you know, and he's done some, he's done a good job of deflecting. But I think it's time now to go not on the defensive, but on the offensive. And they have the offensive in their favor. They have a man who is working harder than probably anybody else I've ever seen, not just at his age, but much less at you know my age, half my age. And then on top of that, it's the outcomes and the results. And it's exactly the distinction, I think, bringing up. He does not need to call out Dianne Feinstein, but he can bring up the distinction that if I can no longer recognize my colleagues or talk about, you know, going to the G20 and using someone's wrong name, then let's have a conversation. But I don't do that. Let me ask you to kind of identify again. We all, I often ask you to sit in the room where it's happening with giving advice to, you know, whether it's Julia Rodriguez, who runs the campaign or or to Jeff Zients, who's chief of staff. What are a couple of things that we should be doing in real time that could actually bring this to the offensive and not the defensive? Because at the end of the day, we've got Donald Trump, who is continuing to garner power, curry more favors. And because of what we will talk about in a future pod with some of the um, with some of the legal shenanigans could end up being not just the nominee, but would have not a not a verdict to his name by the time the election arrives. So what would you say to Biden himself, his inner circle, his campaign manager? There are a few things that I would like to see them do. And first of all, you're spot on. Um, They have not gone on the offensive nearly as much as they should have. They haven't framed his policy successes the way Mm -hmm. they should have. Mm -hmm. I'd like to see him out there more. I do think we have 
uh, a challenge and an opportunity coming up with what is virtually certain to be a government shutdown that could last for a significant period of time. They need now to be framing this as only the responsibility of radical Republicans and weak and craven Kevin McCarthy for bringing about a shutdown, reflect on all of the things being said by the Freedom Caucus radicals about how they're eager to have a shutdown and have it last for a period of time. But they also need to go back and look at the playbook from Bill Clinton when Newt Gingrich forced a shutdown. And they managed to use their ability to keep some programs and stop others in ways that caused Republicans around the country uh, in Utah, where the national parks were are such a major part of their economy and had to be shut down, it, where museums and uh, theaters and others, where the boards are dominated by prominent Republicans who went to their Republican members and said, what are you doing here? This is nuts. They need to be able to frame this so that the blame goes where it belongs. But I'll mention one other thing that I really uh, believe that Biden should be doing. As we are on the the verge of having a trial with uh, his son, uh, Hunter, on what I think is a ridiculous gun charge, knowing that this, uh, the law of a, uh, somebody using drugs, lying to get a gun, um, that has now been, uh, declared unconstitutional by the Fifth Circuit. But also every prosecution has been somebody who lied to get a gun and then used it to commit a crime, which is not the case with Hunter. But we know that this is going to get a huge amount of attention and that Republicans are using this with the impeachment going forward. If I were uh, in the White House advising Joe Biden, I would say you and Hunter should do a joint interview on 60 Minutes where you talk about what challenge there is for a parent with a child with a drug problem. And what do you do? Do you condemn your own child? Do you freeze out your child or do you do what you can to try and work with that child to get him or her past the problem, to get some help along the way and talk about all of those challenges? Because the fact is there are millions, tens of millions or more of American families that have had those kinds of challenges. Put it into the human terms and the human terms, especially of a family where uh, you lost your wife and young daughter when these kids, Hunter and Bo, were uh, tiny, then lost Bo. And you've had and Hunter has had all of these difficulties and challenges. Humanize it and use what is Biden's greatest strength, his enormous empathy and try and take the initiative on this issue instead of just hoping it goes away because it's not going away and it'll be used by your adversaries. I don't think they've thought through the different ways in which they can uh, turn chicken shit uh, into chicken salad. No, and I think you, I, I smile because you hit on something that universally is felt. By the way, Donald Trump, name any single human, including myself, yourself, 
where we've all been in the position as parents of trying to deal with a difficult situation. Usually it doesn't play out on international news in this manner, but every single one of us can relate. And I think you're right. This is what Biden does best. And in a way, what you're encouraging is for him to go back to what he does best. He relates to people because that's who he is. He relates to people. So I'm, uh, I, I, I want to, I, I completely agree. And I, I can only hope because I know there are a lot of people listening who do have um, a seat on the inner circles and would love to see that play out because not only would it garner so much sympathy from everybody, but it would also kind of answer a lot of the like lingering cocktail hour questions of like, what's happening here? And maybe he's not compass mentis to kind of actually like put this together and not at all. I think he's, I think he's like, I don't want to give it any attention, but by doing so he's giving it more attention by ignoring it. It is unfortunately becoming the subject of the podcast. It's the subject of op-ed pieces. It's continuing to also get the, it's also going to feed itself because it gets clicks, it gets attention, it begets itself. So with that, I want to thank our listeners and apologize on behalf of bees everywhere for um, what I think is now, unfortunately, a sad fatality due to biting my son, since uh, we all know that that's how stings work. And we have also been stung by the media this week, but we hope that we can illuminate and elevate the conversation. And so I want to thank our listeners, including our members. And as you heard, there will be some um, guest co-hosts in the next couple of weeks that will also expand uh, not just our conversations, but let Norm have some fun in the interview chair to do all sorts of things. Good God help us. And so I'm hopeful that uh, we can not only re- reunite on the other side in a, in a matter of, of a couple of weeks, but hopefully everyone here will go get their uh, updated COVID shot, their flu shot. And if you're over 60, your RSV shot. And maybe by Halloween, we can uh, all be immunized and, and ready for a great holiday season and in another election cycle. I want to thank our incredible producer, Riley Fessler, who is managing all sorts of um, shenanigans between our podcast hosting and, and our crazy schedules, and also our executive producer, Chris Cottonor. Our next pods will be in your inboxes in or around September 22nd. Thank you. Thank you.